What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Ancient Wisdom, your weekly Pokemon TCG podcast. Uh, my name is Corey Roush. With me, as always, is DJ Keener. Dave, how are you? I'm living the dream, Corey. It's uh, it's great to have new cards to play with, you know? Pokemon's fun again. Yeah, Not that it wasn't a, fun last format, but, like, this is way better. It's a different kind of fun, right? Like, it's the exhilaration of, like, oh, God, like, there's so much to try. Whereas, like, the last few times, like, well, do I want to change up how Zard is? Or do I want to try the newest build of this? It's, like, three cards different from where we were before. Uh, it mm-hmm. seems like every every day just going on Twitter or on the ladder, I find something else that I want to try. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been pretty fun. Uh, we played in person again this week, and that was cool because, like, while we didn't necessarily try anything too different, we were able to kind of, like, mess with them some things, see where we stood in some things, learn that a deck that I really like is probably just a pet deck and not actually a good deck, so that sucks. But, you know. Uh, you know. <laughs> what can Sometimes you do? reality is important. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I immediately played the other version of it online once I crafted the cards. I went, ooh. I won the game. I hit for weakness <laughs> and it was irrelevant, but like it was nice to actually win a game with uh, Iron Valiant, so that was cool. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this week we're, we're, we're still about a week away from uh, LAIC. Actually, so like when, we'll probably drop the podcast a day early next week because the tournament starts on Friday. I don't, I think the time difference is only, is like that's obviously the most slight because it's on this side of the, the world at least. So, um, but next week is LAIC. So, next week we'll actually preview the tournament itself when we have like the full like three weeks of, of data. But, uh, this will be us going over everything that like has gone on in terms of online results, our testing, and just like general like vagaries about what the first week of the format has been like to kind of figure out where things stand what might be real, what might not be real, where we were right, where we were wrong one week later after, like, previewing the cards. So, because as I've already alluded to, things have kind of changed from what I expected slightly. And that was probably me being more of a dreamer on certain things. But I think a lot of people actually really believed in it. So, um, yeah, let's start there, actually. Because, like, we have data. We have enough data. There was, like, nine 100-person tournaments online. And um, I have the data from uh, Omnipoke, who actually correlated all that what he usually does with things is like talking about like if this was a league cup or challenge i forget which one he uses but the, the point still stands he assigns like cp to them yeah so like you can see, yeah so you can see kind of where things are ranked uh where they stand in terms of how they've been doing so far so we'll get into that um but i wanted to start with a deck that both you and i certainly me more than you i think uh we're really high on in terms of what we wanted to be the deck that we were really going to like this format what we're going to sink a lot of time into um and I don't think it's going to end up being the case, at least for now. And that's Iron Valiant. Uh, there are actually, what, four? I at think least. Yeah, like, you just, well, I'm just looking at the data that he, he collected of things that have, like, earned... earned that have games. actually placed, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so far there's Rapid Strike Valiant. There is the Entei Valiant deck. There is the Jolteon Valiant deck. And then since then, the slight adaptation of one of them, which is actually the version I was just alluding to trying... Um, was the Jolteon Valiant with a 1-1 Vaporeon VMAX line. Uh, I think now that has transitioned to being the most cool and probably the one I will try the most. I don't know if it's good. Um, I've played against a myriad of other Valiant decks online, whether they be with... Uh, uh, what's the terrible... Uh, what's the it, terrible card? <laughs> it was the, the BEX. Uh, Vespa Quinn EX. Uh, I saw a version playing that. That was uh, that was something I saw. There's obviously okay, the Psychic. Okay. Yeah, that'll do it. 
I didn't mention the psychic value, even though that was something that we had we have tested as well and has seen some sort of like hype. That's not in the placing list so far. So I guess what were your thoughts about Iron Valiant overall after after testing it, like the little bit that we have so far? I mean, it's going to be like the same problem that uh, Rapid Strike had for the last however long it's been now, the Urshifu Inteleon decks. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of functionally doing the exact same thing as those decks, really. Iron Valiant is just a little bit more consistent, faster, all of these things than Inteleon. But all that really does is uh, make you better into the matchups that were already good and okay. nothing in your matchups that weren't good previously. Um, at least specifically when we're looking at the Urshifu, Iron Valiant, Rapid Strike kind of thing. Um so I, I think that's the kind of deck that could exist as a really good meta call, but it's not the kind of deck that you can just show up with every week and expect to do well. It's just not going to be that kind of deck in the metagame. Um, so when we kind of look at decks, like sometimes you have to, A, like think about how good the deck is like against the fields, how good the deck just is like, in a vacuum is not the right word I'm looking for, but like if we can um, isolate, our matchups for like a a tournament and say, Oh yeah, these are the decks that are really popular right now. Like you kind of have to keep decks like that in the back of your mind because this deck could be really good. Um, It's just not good against a wide field. And the field is very wide right now, which always happens when new sets come out first off. But also I I actually do just think that there's a lot of really good decks right now Um, to keep going through other versions though. The like pure Jolteon Iron Valiant deck has the same problem basically as the Urshi deck. It's a little bit better into... So to, to cover what the problem is, I guess, before we ramble for too long, these decks are really good at playing against decks that have small basics in them, whether that's Evolving, Comfy, any of that kind of stuff. And really bad against playing against big basics or decks that really, really quickly establish um, like large Pokemon. So uh-huh. one of the things that you could be really good against, and this is a matchup that you're probably still favored in, but like if Charizard can quickly get their Charizard EXs out, you're going to have a hard time dealing with the 330 HP guys. But if you can, you know, make your deck play very quickly, you're able to uh, stop it from setting up pretty reasonably. And so that's kind of what you're looking for with the deck. The Urshi deck has just no good ways. Like Gale Thrust is okay. It's not great though. So you have no good way to hit actives for good damage and hit large basics for good damage. Um, the Jolteon version splits the difference a little bit, which I think is interesting. You're a little bit better. You're able to take like solid chips off of some of these bigger Pokemon, specifically the the big basics. I don't mind that deck into as much because we're talking about like two Jolteon attacks plus a couple Iron Valiants can knock out like two Roaring Moons as an example. Um, so like you have some game there and they play enough goofy setup guys that you can eat. And so the Jolteon version is able to do that. Roman plays a lot of these like goofy setup Pokemon. Goofy is not the right word, but that you're able to get like your third prize pretty easily or your sixth prize, your third knockout on a two prize or from like Lumini and Squawkabilly, that kind of stuff. Um, and you can sort of race that version with Jolteon. The innovation that happened recently in Jolteon that I'm not sure if it's better or not, but I actually do think that this could be the secret to that version was putting the Rapid Strike Vaporeon VMAX line in there. The Vaporeon second attack lets you attack for 200 onto a uh, anything with damage counters already on it, um, which makes it a lot easier for you to attack through some of these things with higher HP. So that version is really interesting to me. Um, and then the version that we haven't messed with at all, really, is the, the Entei version, which in theory I dislike, but 
conceptually, like it is interesting that you can kind of use all these iron valiants as plus powers, get some draws off the Entes, and attack for like a, a moderate amount of damage. Um, which does sort of solve some of the issues the other decks have. Like, you can still do the thing where you play very Iron Valiant heavy, eat some evolving basics and comfies off the bench, but also hit the active for relevant damage. So that version could be good. It just seems so average to me when I look at it, but this could be the kind of deck that uh, doesn't make sense to me in theory and really performs in practice. So definitely a blind spot right now. Yeah, when I alluded to that I had tried one, and, like, I won, but obviously, like, the matchup matters. I, I had tried the Vaporeon one, and it was against the Entei version. Like, just laddering it up, not even trying. Like, that's how it worked out. And um, they started Entei. I started Vaporeon, and my hand was busted. So I uh, killed Entei, killed Entei, <laughs> killed Entei. And it was just like, yeah. no. But, uh, no, I, 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 I think what I'm learning from looking at all of these variants pop up is that there's something here. The card is useful, and I think that there's going to be a myriad of versions that people try throughout its 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 existence, but I don't know that one is ever going to be like I feel like what you broadly said about the rapid strike version is probably the the way you're gonna feel about most of these versions is Iron Valley is a good card. I don't know if it's ever really gonna be like I mean I know there's an ex, an extent to which it is gatekeeping out setup decks, but <clears throat> which version of it is good? and or could see play at any given tournament really depends on what on what the rest of the format is what the matchup like what the actual meta percentages are and like if you're able to read that correctly then you could have a good day but i don't think it's ever going to be like some large chunk of the room much like the rapid strike box was but i'm saying this about all variants not just like the rapid strike version in and of itself i think that this is this is a, a deck that's going to be weird and pop up at, at, at strange intervals yeah, I, I agree with that in general. I think the interesting thing to consider um, for the deck is that whether or not it is seeing play, it's going to have a really warping effect on the metagame. Um, I actually think that this is probably, we alluded to this in the set preview show, I think this is actually probably the the most toxic thing in the set. Uh, because the existence of of Iron Valiant decks that are able to knock out your Evolving Basics turn one, that are able to Yoga Loop you on their first turn, you know, do all of this nonsense, uh, is probably going to force some of these decks out of the metagame just by existing. I mean, obviously, same thing we're saying about Iron Valiant, where you have to pick the right week. You can pick the right week for these other decks and kind of dodge that matchup, obviously. But I don't know, man. I, I'm so... Uh, I don't know if scared is the right word, but reluctant to play any of like the, even like Chien Pao or something, because I really just don't want to be in the spot where I start, you know, they have me go first. I don't start with the VIP pass. So my ending board is like Chien Pao, uh, Frigibax, and I'm just dead on my, before I take another turn. Well, yeah. And even if you get two, like, that Frigibax is out, like, if yeah, they, they just knock them both out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very, like, it's tough. And I think that. I think it's a salient point because to some extent, like like I said, I'm looking at like the data that Omnipoke has, but right now, like through that first like nine events, Chin Pao mm-hmm. was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the tenth most successful deck when that was talked about as like the boogeyman of the format or, or the best deck. And like it's obviously putting up results in Japan. So it's like, it, like it's a good deck, but I do think that it, like that's yeah, one of the things and I that mean, could like curb it. You know what I mean? There's a little bit that you have to kind of think about, like, you know, when you're just looking at information and data and thinking and stuff, right? Because, like, Champout basically didn't change. You put Iron Hands in and some cards to enable it. So, off the bat, that's, like, a reason to play less Champout in the first place. Like, it's yeah. it's the same deck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that, at least partially, 
the fact that it's not performing as well is because Iron Valley exists, and that's going to cause a lot of problems for that deck. Um, and something interesting to that point, I guess, like when I'm talking about the Entei version specifically, is that like that deck is leaned into the fact that you're already good against those kind of decks, and like it doesn't even do the meta champ thing. It, yeah. It's just like we'll we'll just use our Iron Valiants to eat one or two of these Frigibaxes or Charmanders or whatever for free as the game goes on. And we're just going to attack with this end data chunk actives and basically use the Iron Valiance as pseudo plus powers. Yeah, um, as, as cute as it is to sometimes get the extra turn, sometimes just taking the extra prize while take while wiping off the board. It doesn't matter if you, it doesn't always matter if you're taking the extra turn. It like you're just stabilizing your board presence so much that that matters more than anything. Exactly, exactly. So I think that. These decks are good. I think that uh, it's not going to be like a constant tier one deck. We're going to talk about it a lot the same way that we talked about Rapid Strike last format. But yeah. I think they are, Boogeyman's not the right word, but much more war- warping than Rapid Strike was. I think so, Because they, they really can capitalize on those matchups. And honestly, I think it's more warping than Hands like was purported to be. Like I, I understand that, that Hands is probably a better card, but I don't think that like it's like... I don't think it's warping in the sense that like certain decks just can't get played at this point. I know that there's, I know, know obviously the Jake Gearhearts of the world would disagree and think that if it's not warping, it's just because people are stupid and not playing it. I've seen that plenty this week, but I don't think that's it. I think the card's good, but like it's, it's mitigatable. And whereas like, if you're a set of decks, you can't mitigate the fact that you just might not get a turn with your guys. I mean, like there's even like I, I've been blind second with my Iron Valiant decks when I play them because I'm trying to maximize the uh, the Yoga Loop stuff. But like hypothetically for the Entei list, you can just go first and try to you know mize a bunch of games against these evolving decks where like let's Lost Box only starts one comfy. Oh, I can I can quad Iron Valiant you baby. Don't worry. Like it it can create a lot of non games and that's that's warping in a way that Iron Hands is and Iron Hands is yeah. is. I don't know exactly the the right words to use here because I, I think what Iron Hands is is more meta defining, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Because like, yes, Lost Box decks, the successful Lost Box decks are playing ways to mitigate the Iron Hands problem, right? We're seeing a lot more Sables are our experience says that Roaring Moon Lost Box has been pretty good. Um, you know, you're not gonna see like only Zamazenta and Kyogre as attackers, you're gonna see Dragonite. You're gonna see the things in your deck that you need to do to counter in Iron Hands. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. But but you can't really counter the things like the toxic parts of Iron Valiant. You can try, but I mean, depending on which version you're playing against, like you need both Manaphy and Sable or and uh, Jirachi. Sometimes you really can't effectively bench both of them. They both just get eaten by Iron Valiant switching around, and then if their deck has another game plan, they will be doing that. You know, if yeah. that's hitting for. A chunk of damage on two things with Jolteon that can be crippling. If it's eating two bench guys with Urshi, crippling. Entei smacking your active or the psychic version, which you and I like quite a bit, uh-huh. um, but hasn't had results. I mean, they can eat your bench and they can hit your active. So, yeah, and I think that that one even has like the control element in the certain decks too through the Shadow Rider. That's been a thing in the past. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I just I just think that like, and that's why I like this card because it is so versatile and, and like could open up so many things. But yeah, it's. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's a weird one. Um, something something that's not weird and has been as like probably more dominant than I would have expected. I told you like when we were doing the the the, the set review that I thought this was going to be the most played deck at LAIC. And yeah, I thought, yeah. I've, 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 I've come around too more towards your direction because I I thought for sure it would be Chien Pao, but 
despite us being the exact people who would be trying to maximize Iron Valiant, I don't think I realized just from my perspective how much that uh, would deter. Like, I wouldn't play... If I was going to an event, I wouldn't play an evolving basic deck. And yeah. that that's enough for me to go, yeah, it's I don't think Jampal is gonna be the most played deck. I don't I don't know that it's Roaring Moon, like you said before, but Well that's what I was saying. That's what I was actually gonna transition to was that yeah, that's, yeah. that's the most successful deck so far. Mm-hmm. And obviously like that some of that's new deck syndrome, some of that's I mean whatever, whatever, but like it also just hits like a train and it's it's really good. It's I actually usually I don't like the big punchy punch decks but i actually find this one rather fun i don't know if it's just because you know i can play stuff like pokestop and energy switch sometimes <laughs> like depending on what version you're playing like you have a lot you have a lot of different actions in, in in what you're doing but uh man that deck is really sick and i i didn't think i was gonna like it while i thought it was going to be like i didn't think i was gonna like it this much while i thought it was gonna be the most played deck um it's both to me like i actually might find myself playing this more than anything which is super cool because um yeah, I mean, that, that's always nice to find something that you really enjoy, so... My um, you... immediate reaction to this deck was that it was going to be boring. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah I wasn't going to like it. So linear. And I do love turbo decks, but... But you don't like Maridon, and I thought that it was going to be Maridon. Yeah, it's not Maridon. No. I mean, it is funny, because, like, as far as gameplay on execution goes, it, it kind of is Maridon, right? Yeah. You're, you're basic that punches hard. That's That's what we're doing, but you don't miss turn one KOs very often. No. Um... Not at all. And it's a deck that gets the cross switcher with some reliability. So you're normally KOing the thing you want to KO turn one. Um, which is also like Maridon is KOing active if it hits its attack. Whatever your opponent left for you to KO, that's what you're KOing. Maybe that's maybe that's like without realizing what I didn't like about Maridon is that like I felt like because it, it wasn't necessarily just a, like obviously I like KOing my opponent's active. That's that's the, other than you know a different deck we'll talk about later. But uh, like it just felt like you didn't really have any agency in what you were doing. You're like if it's there, that's what I'm killing. And it like like I, I that, that to me is boring. Like I don't I like actually being able to, t- to kind of take control of the game. Yeah, like, I feel yeah. like Moon lets you take control of the game. Once well, my on had to do some things that aren't necessarily like janky. That's not what I'm looking for. But like Radon had to play a kind of a weird suite of hand disruption had to play path to the peaks at different points has to play bravery charms and my experience with i mean i guess you play like a pseudo bravery charm sometimes but better bravery charm obviously um in roaring moon but you don't really need that stuff as much like your your deck just does its thing and if you're able depending on how you build your list um but if you're able to like get that first knockout it's very hard for a lot of decks to stop you from just going okay knockout 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 yeah and where i felt like if you didn't have multiple flappy set up, like, and even if you did, a lot of times you had to be like actually high rolling on your on your uh, on your. Uh, the generators have generate. to hit two. If you fall behind, you have to hit with fly if you're playing that version. This is thundershock like, or whatever. But I know what you meant. Even if you fall behind, like you have dark patch, you have sada, which is broken. Like you have a, you have okay single prize attackers. You have like like there's just a lot of options in what the deck can do, and I, I know that there's prominent Maridon players that would say that I'm probably being too hard on Maridon, and maybe I am, and it's just something, like, maybe there's a mental block there, but I don't think, like, I just think that this is an evolved version of what that deck could be in terms of optionality. So I'll give you the devil's advocate argument here. Maridon, you just mentioned Flaffy, better grind game. Maridon is going to be better if you find yourself in one of these more awkward, longer games where your opponent is successfully disrupting you. Um, Maridon also, I mean, 
Riot on itself is extremely good. Tandem unit is a, a broken ability. You don't have anything like that. Like we we are required to find our Pokemon in this deck, right? We have to hit them. But the flip side is that we set up better, we attack stronger, we can find our our out or our uh, our target easier since we're a cross switcher deck. Um, but the way like most builds are kind of set up right now, they are going to struggle more than Maridon at coming back in a game. Um, you do have some single prizers, but largely your deck is putting these two prize attackers into play. They're going to be there for your opponent to boss up and, and deal with as you go through the game. So that's something that you have to deal with. And I, I know the thing that like I am constantly battling with in my list is like how to balance the aggressive cards that we want to maximize while also giving ourselves enough avenues to win these games where we fall behind, where we don't take first KO. Um, but I, I think your win rate if you take first KO with Roaring Moon is just out of this world. It's so yeah. hard to lose if you if you take first KO. And that was actually like, even against like, like I don't... Like, I think into certain matchups, because, like, I was typically testing Valiant the other day, and we tested about against a bunch of different things, and Roaring Moon was one of them, and it just felt like it was so insurmountable, because it didn't really matter how I was picking things apart. You don't really give me a chance to buy a turn too often if you don't put down, like, the Brute Bonnets or the more Pekos of the world, you know what I mean? So, like, mm -hmm. and, like, so you're just a train. And if I, it's one thing if I admit, like, even when I was playing the Psychic version, like, it's it, like there's a chance I'm gonna like I'm obviously gonna miss the attack on my first turn, especially in that deck because like you need to evolve first. But when you miss the second attack, the, mm -hmm. that like it's just snow. And like that's not like something that a lot of other like a lot of other decks aren't like have the chance to not be able to attack on turn one or two to like KO or Roaring Moon. And even if they can, if like you said, if they attack first, they just snowball so uncontrollably. Yeah. yeah. And when when we're talking about like the thing Roaring Moon like has to you have to deal with against Roaring Moon like. You know, I think Frenzied Gouging is the attack that people really think about with the card to, to just stone knock your opponent's guy out. But 220 is good in, the, in this format still. Um, kind of part of the problem of what Iron Valiant does to the format, like we were saying, is that we are centralized around these these large EXV whatever basics. Most of those only have 220. And yeah. that exactly to the point is now we are able to quickly get knockouts, you know, get rid of our stadium that we played for our own benefit and have our thing sitting here with either 230 or 290 hp and the other interesting thing is that for moon itself is 230 not 220 uh which is good both into its you know mirrors and ride on so <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i think that this is like we we said whenever we were talking about this card that i feel like only one of the like punch your active decks is going to survive and and, and while we detail that we think that ride on or sorry uh Roaring Roaring more than yeah. that um if it just boils down to just attacking your active, it's the better version of that, just because, just based on the sheer numbers. Well, and I, I think Roaring Moon is just clearly the best puncher active deck. I think we can group Goldengo and Maridon into that category. Um, obviously, those other decks have other options, other avenues, as does Roaring Moon. But as far as like the deck that wants in, Goldengo is like a little different because it's an evolving deck also and isn't doing this like turn one, but. When we're looking at decks that are just going to nuke your active, and even Chan Pao falls into that category in, in some sense, though that deck has a lot more optionality, I think, than uh, the other ones. Uh -huh. um, Roaring Moon just does that better. Roaring Moon does that better than everything else. So Roaring Moon, if the metagame centralizes around these big basics, is the best deck into each other. And 
then you start looking at like what's the best way to play this deck so that you can maximize the games where you know you lose the roll and your opponent knocks you out first and so on and so forth um so there's definitely going to be some growing pains to go through with the deck a lot of uh durations to figure out because kind of i think where we are right now is that roaring moon probably is the strongest deck at this exact moment um and we're going to see Roaring Moon come down a little bit because we're going to have to build the Roaring Moon decks that are good in, into other Roaring Moon decks now. And that'll at least give the room for the metagame to bring some other decks up a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there's, like, other decks that are, like, doing a lot, like, right now that I think they actually, like, that, this actually bodes well for them because I do think some of them have some play into can exploit exactly the weaknesses that we're talking about here. Uh, like, so Moon was the most successful deck, like I said. After that, it's Lost Tina, uh, Lost Zone Box, Charizard, and Gardevoir. Round out the top five. So, um, from what I've gathered, Gardevoir has a great matchup into uh, Roaring Moon, which I haven't tested it, but like that, that 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 makes sense. I can see where Charizard is also rather good into it because, it, like, obviously, like you, ha- it forces you to use that uh, the frenzy gouging, and then, like, you can, like, pick things up in weird places, whether it be, like, taking, uh, like, taking prizes with a single prize or things like that, so, um, I could see where that's exploitable, I don't know, like, I don't necessarily think it's, like, a good match for Zard, but I could see where it's, something like, expo- an exploitable matchup, and then a Lost Zone decks, um, either one, like, I, I, I could see, because, like, Lost Zone Box primarily at this point is being played as Sable Zard, and that feels like it could be, again, pretty exploitable for, like, that matchup, because, the, the Radiant Charizard can do so much. Like, like if they don't have the, uh, if they don't have, um, Capsule. yeah, if they don't have the Ancient Capsule or if they, like, you, like I think the Sableard lists are playing multiple uh, vacuums at this point. Yep. Um, you're able to, like, kind of take advantage of that. And, like, they are playing a DP, they are playing a Mirage Gate, they are, like, they, they can attack sooner than, like, just the last round of the game. So, like, or they can get multiple uses out of the Zard that I think that, like, I don't know. I feel like there's something, like, that's the kind of transition that you're talking about. There, we can talk about Tina. I don't really feel like we have to. I think I feel like we've talked about Giratina enough. And can we does... just stop doing this? Like, can, can we have that conversation at least? Can we please, yeah. please quit lying to ourselves? Not us. We're we're the voices of reason and truth here. Quit putting Giratina in your deck, guys. Come on. Yeah, it like I, there I are two, it. at least two prominent decks in this format that knock out your Giratina turn one. Yeah. Yeah. You can't bench it at any point in the game against either Roaring Moon or Maridon after that. If you start it against either of those decks, it gets knocked out. Yeah. What are we doing? I feel Please like, stop. I feel like because of what Giratina is, like like, like you mentioned Maridon, Lost, Bo- Lost Box is typically a terrible matchup for Maridon, but if they put the Giratina down, they they automatically feel much better because like, oh cool, like that's just that's just food. Like you just don't play the card in the matchup. So but we're playing three or four copies in our deck so now you're what whatever percent to start it cool let's just go ahead and give ourselves like a 25 percent chance to tank a matchup that's supposed to be free we say this every time we talk about it the fact that there's a deck out there that plays two of my four favorite pokemon and is considered by some section of the world like arguably the best deck and i have no interest in ever playing it tells you exactly what like it's like i just think that deck is absolute copium every single time it comes up i do think that Countercatcher is a great addition for that deck, but um, that's the nicest thing I can say about it. I agree. I think there's better ways to exploit Countercatcher in Lost Box decks, but um, before we move on from Roaring Moon, I just kind of want to talk about some of the different, because we're talking about like these decks that we yeah. can see how they'd be good against it, and 
the thing that popped up early in Japan and has kind of faded was like the extremely greedy visually, obviously, water energy, quad energy switch version. You know, it actually hits it pretty consistently, honestly, right? And uh, you know how quickly those matchups swing if you Greninja them turn one? Maybe, yeah, yeah, yes, obviously. Maybe I'm just being unfair because it looks so greedy and I have not actually tried it in practice. Um, I've, I've only probably played like seven, eight games with it, but uh, if you don't prize water energy, in my experience and like the games where I've wanted to do it, I've hit. Okay, well, you know what, Dave? Maybe I'll get like, oh, like we've. I used to, I don't know who to credit with this for this tweet, but somebody uh, on the thread yesterday or the day before that was talking about uh, Lost Zone Roaring Moon uh, made a great point, which I agree with in, in practice, was that I don't really know why anyone would be trying to do this in like a Turbo Lost Box shell. You're using Moonlight Shuriken more often in a Turbo Roaring Moon than in Turbo Lost Box Roaring Moon. So why are we, we already get to play the best card from Lost Box in our Roaring Moon decks. Stop. Yeah, but if that's the case, then yeah. You know what? Maybe I like I've been. The issue is that you lose a lot of space because now we're we're back to the you. It's really difficult to fit that engine, and an engine to come back if you fall behind in the big basic matchups. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, fitting everything into the deck is the hard part. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting though. Like I, it's, like I, probably like I, I mean I did immediately write it off and just got annoyed with it, and that was probably to my detriment. But because it just looks like oh god, like I mean I guess. If you if you're saying you pull it off consistently, I just assume you wouldn't. But if you can, then oh no no you you hit. Which like that's I mean how many decks have we been drawn to just because you know is the answer ninja? Yeah, that's sick. I yes. love that. So um yeah that that's a, that's an easy thing to sell me. I on mean there. And again that's that's a metagame specific choice to make for the deck right because yeah. you don't care about that if you're not playing against various lost box decks if you're not playing against evolving yeah. basic decks yeah yeah guard of war right um. And it's going to be an interesting push and pull at that point to see whether um, these other decks are prioritizing mana fee against you if you start Roaring Moon, because that's a waste of resources on their end if you don't do it. And simultaneously, even if it's in your deck, it's really low downside. Because oh. um, like the the most aggressive version of the deck that I've been playing and I've, I've liked without those cards, I'm still playing Energy Switches. So we're talking about adding one to two Energy Switch, depending on how yeah. many you wanted to play in the first place. And I mean, separately from that, you can do the energy switch line onto MuEX anyway, if they bench their Greninja and just do the same thing, so. Yeah, yeah, which I, that I've liked. Like, you, when we were testing the other day, you had the Mew in there, and, like, obviously mm. didn't come up in, in what we were playing, but, like, I do like that option. For, yeah, for so that's, just kind of to talk about where we're at, That's I've kind of split the difference on that concept at this point in my list, and I'm playing, um, like, three instead of four energy switches, and I'm playing the Galarian Moltres as a way to help make those cards even better, and that gives you the option to set up the MUEX in those spots, while also giving you another engine to reliably get your Roaring Moon set up if you lose that first KO, because if you're able, like, you're playing against Maridon, they knock your guy out, but they don't set up a lot of Flaffies on their first turn, or, you know, get a lot of Mareep so they can set up Flaffies, mm -hmm. it's easy for you to be the deck that's able to re-energize so you can uh, push the tempo back on them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm very intrigued. I, I think that it's it's very cool. So I'm I'm obsessed with this deck. It's the deck I've played the most. It's very fun to play. It's very, very powerful, clearly. Um whether you are consistent enough or good into a wide enough range of decks remains to be seen, but you've got outs. You've got a lot of outs. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that like I was letting you test it at first 
because I didn't want us to both be testing all of the same things and because I my, my moons did not come in yet. But uh, now now that both of those things have kind of like coalesced a little bit, I feel like if we had yeah. my, like a league this... challenge or a league cup next week, I, I feel like that's the one I'd be most keen to play. I'm so sad that because uh, there is a, a league challenge locally on Tuesday, but that's not legal yet, which sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it gives us a chance to play one of the two decks that we probably won't be playing much in this format one more time, whether it be the Kyogre or the Chin Pao. Like, I mean, obviously, like, I'm I'm being a little bit down on Chin Pao by comparison, but I, like you said, I don't know that I'll be playing the Evolving Basic decks as much as this format, especially mm-hmm. because there's so, so many other decks that I really like. So mm-hmm. actually giving me a chance to play those one more time is kind of cool, I guess, but I'd much rather be playing with the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. I also, like, I'm kicking around going or not, but, like, I don't really feel like I'm <laughs> taking any of my decks apart and making them old again. It just seems seems like it's not worth it. Yeah. Let's be real. If, if we're qualifying for Worlds, it's by winning a regional, so... <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, this is more just because, like, if I'm going to go to local one day... Yeah, playing, playing in sick, playing with stakes is sick. Um, and if I do that, then next week I will have a Pokemon and a One Piece tournament five days apart that actually count for something. So that's cool. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's nice to kind of give yourself that jolt of actually like stakes again for like mm-hmm. even if it is smaller than like a region or something like that it's nice to kind of add, like get that that little rush again so that's no, where I'm at. yeah yeah no i i know even like it's funny like how layered the like way my brain works with that is because i i basically only play turbo moon online mm-hmm. and uh haven't played it at all in paper but my games that i play online are basically me playing one turn and i hit and then I either go do something else and just concede or like I tab out to, on my phone to like answer a text and I disconnect it or whatever. That's so but funny. I basically just play a turn, take my knockout, and then go, oh, yeah, this deck's good. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited so, to play it more. You know, but... but like, because that's all that's, anyways, where I was going to say, that's all the like care I can muster playing online and like playing yeah. paper like together. Like I, I care more, but it's not the same. And then even you just like upgrade it to a locals and it's like, I'm not losing these little shits. What do you mean? Like we're we're not here to to play this game anymore. No, no, no. It's it quickly becomes you gonna learn today, and it just upgrades and upgrades as you get into things with even just like slightly more stakes. Yeah, no, that that's a hundred percent what it is. I don't know. I don't know what that is in the brain. Uh, what process that is, or what mental illness that is. But uh, I got it bad. I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah for you. sure. Um, okay, so we like loosely touched on a bunch of the decks. One of the other decks we tested this week, which is not that much different, but than it was last last set was uh, Lugia, and I feel like the way you described it was actually kind of perfect when we were testing it. Was uh, there's no deck that I draw that is that is like beautiful and ugly this much at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been like so. It's just like it, it's right out like it's like the sixth most successful deck through the first like week or so and it's all basically this, like the same version of the colorless with uh the uh vessel what is it earth and vessel. vessel yeah search basic energy giving you the option to most specifically i uh, uh iron hands ex but some people are playing a fire for the charizard some people like i personally i would like to do play a water for your luminion i don't know if that's too cute but it really makes me happy to i'm, think I'm so it. strongly sure that it's not too cute because that was one of the things that really made the old lugia deck very very good yep. that's how i feel too um, but i don't know if i'm correct but it, it sounds really cool but uh yeah, yeah. So, so do you want to talk about lugia now i guess yeah, we'll, we'll do that. that. I actually have a lot of thoughts about Lugia. Please, um, though, then I'll let you talk about Lugia, because I have a lot of thoughts on the last deck that I want to talk about, and then we'll see if there's anything else after that. So you take over Lugia. 
Yeah, so I think Lugia is still doing the thing that is uh, debatably the most broken thing in the format, the most powerful thing you can do. Like, Primal Turbo is still a messed up ability. Getting two of those into play for free is still messed up. Tons, just tons of upside here, right? There's so much going on that, like, we really, really should be trying to take advantage of. But Lugia still suffers from the same problem it always did of being somewhat bricky. Um I think that's a little bit overstated in general. We've talked about the Satan. We we played Lugia, and despite the fact that I personally feel like I low rolled in the the tournament that we played it in, uh, all our preparation told us that that's not the case. Right, that the deck is not that inconsistent. It just feels really bad when you when you miss. They're more um, memorable misses, yeah. Which is the biggest problem with testing Lugia to just get that in there there especially in like the best of ones and if you play online i tried playing lugia on live and going back oh. to the thing i just said the amount of times where i drew my hand and went man i guess i'm not playing live right now very high very yeah. very high because i'm not yeah. i'm not grinding out the the games so i've got a couple things to talk about for lugia um and some of these are just like points and some of them are specific deck construction thing number one Lugia is a deck that's always wanted to go first just because of how powerful it is to get that evolution off on your first attacking turn. Um, makes sense. I don't think that changes. The problem is that that means you're letting Roaring Moon go second against you, which is what they want. And if you don't bench two Lugias, they're eating one of them every time. Uh, this was a problem against Fusion Mew that you had to play around in Broken Lugia era. So this isn't something that's like new or out of line or anything. But it is a little bit worse in that you can't play around it with... Um, v-guard energy to like help at least a little bit yeah. or anything like that it's just like it's hard um so you really need to get two down that's not the end of the world just like a, an observation the other thing is that uh the deck doesn't have like an iron hands problem necessarily but the fact that if they can establish an iron hands um and just start gusting your archaeopsis and taking two prizes on them instead of getting set behind that's a really big problem too uh-huh. so those two things together um, create like a couple different issues for the deck. Uh, but the upgrade of being able to play your own Iron Hands, um, play the Earthen Vessel so that you can attack with Charizard early and multiple times, depending on how you build your deck, and that you can shuffle in your Luminion so you don't have to leave uh, these as many vulnerable two prizers on your bench, all really, really helpful. Um, so from just like a deck construction point of view, I think like because we're trying to hit so consistently now, we really need to get set up. Um, I'm playing Squawkabilly and Dunsparce in my deck. The Dunsparce partially for the Iron Hands problem because it protects your Archaeops from that spot and also your Squawk. So they can't take three prizes on a Squawk with an Iron Hands just from for free because that would literally just be the end of the game every time. Um I think that might be necessary. I've cut, cut out Snorlax at this point, even though I think the most popular way to play it still includes the Snorlaxes. I don't think yeah. you need them. And I know some people were playing Thornton to uh, recur the Charizard and let you get multiple Zard attacks off, especially in matchups where you want to play like a little more one prize heavy. I've been thinking about this a decent bit, and I don't know why we're not just playing Super Rod at this point. That means in the right matchups, you can use Iron Hands twice without having to play multiple Electric Energies. You can use Zard twice while still only playing one Fire Energy. And you don't, if you're playing a matchup where like you really need to shuffle away your Luminion, you're not just dead to discarding it to a research early. So you can be uh-huh. a little greedier with your counts on these basic energies. You can still play a single prize game without putting these Snorlaxes in your deck that I think are a lot less valuable right now. And I, I just think that makes sense. I don't know why nobody is playing that right now. And then the other thing that I, I wanted to mention, and this was like the biggest problem I found with the deck, is that 
if if you're playing against Roaring Moon and they get their their knockoff on you uh, by using the discard of stadium attack onto your Lugia, the real real difficulty here because we just said we have to set two Lugias up turn one is that you don't return KO them uh-huh. with the Lugia itself. It only does two twenty. They have two thirty, like we uh-huh. talked about before. Uh, going through all this and talking about like when we really want to get our uh, attacks off, the fact that we want to play like a super rod, we need to search for these basic energies. I'm pretty sure I'm going to start testing a one of Arvin and one of Vitality Band in the deck because you really need to, in the, the right matchups, hit these basic energy attacks at the right time. So the idea that we can set up a searchable, you know, Luminian for Arvin for the thing in the matchups where we need that, while also giving ourselves the ability to return KO or Roaring Moon that's not Earth Vesseled seems really, really good to me. And, you know, you can even start talking about the options. Like, ooh, what if they Vessel? Well, we already hate Path of the Peak. We could play a Lost Vacuum too now. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're going back to the Eared Attack. I've said it, I said it on the last podcast episode as well. We're basically, when you look at the deck list, back to the level of quality from our attackers and everything as Broken Lugia was. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not surprised that the same kind of idea has, has come to me. Um, and I, I think that there's like something there. The problem, I was just trying to make this work on my list and I was like 61 cards right now or something. So I have to figure out what I can shave and how we can make it happen. Um, whether that's like saying Squawk is too cute or whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm going to keep working on Lugia quite a bit because I actually do think the deck is really good. And it is still the deck that like I've, when I draw hands sometimes or when I'm playing games, I don't know that there's a deck where like you can look at your opening seven and just go, oh, I'm winning this game as much as Lugia. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I, I've always fought against Lugia more than you have. Like, not, like, obviously when it was the, like, broken Lugia, I, I, there was no argument there. I more mean since rotation. I've always been cooler on it than you have, but you're right. The optionality and, and like, the things that it can do are just, like, it's, like, the ceiling is just, like, impossible. It's incredible. The ceiling is like, incredible. So, yeah, I, I, you suffer that... a little bit against the Lost Box decks from not playing Snorlax, but if we're talking about building our deck in a way where we can use Iron Hands multiple times against them, that's still not yeah. that bad. And obviously no. that deck has always struggled against just, like, thick guys. So if we're presenting Lugia V-Stars, that's good. There's definitely some justification for playing, like, Professor Sada in this deck, actually. So you could easily pick up the Lugia or, you know, Penny and pick up your Iron Hands or whatever before they, they KO it, but... I, I just think there's there's so much upside here, and you're able to play around a lot of the the problems. So you know the issue is going to be doing those things while remaining consistent enough. But I, I like Lugia, man. I I think that it's well positioned. I don't think that it's my favorite deck right now, um, but I I think that I guess I can't say it's being slept on if the results are showing it is like the the sixth best performing deck right now. But I feel like the hype cooled off very quickly after it. Uh, yeah. on like the first tournament out the gate yeah i feel like it did too and, and it's it's weird like it really should not have but i i mean that's just kind of how things go i i think that i don't think it'll be like like the dominant meta presence that it was previously or like even like last format we're going up like 15 percent. but i do think that um like no but i think some... there's just too many decks i i mean and yeah, maybe that's, i'm that's underselling how yeah. good they are or at least at laic i don't think it's going to be that when i'm when i'm kind of talking metagame i am talking like immediate because maybe the metagame centralizes a little bit but right now there's just too many decks that i think are good enough mm-hmm. yeah no for, I, I i firmly agree and that's like part of what the issue is for mm-hmm. do you think that mm-hmm. what it does like the fact that it does have like like you said like comparing to broken lugia like like it's just like having a better like it may be more expensive, but better Stoutland is yeah. Even more a... complicated Stoutland is what it boils down to. 
I but guess, like, in my it, perspective. It, it also hits harder, which is, is super relevant. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we just said it about our own squawk abilities in the deck, that a lot yeah. of decks play squawk ability. That you can so decks play Luminians that you can hunt down. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the thing that people initially thought of whenever it came to the bigger prizes was, like, into Lugia, into Palkia. I'm like, that's cool, obviously, but, like, the fact that mm-hmm. Squawk or Luminian is going to be almost every deck just gives or, you, like, a three-price swing that is uh, unparalleled. If your opponent ever has to frenzy gouging with their uh, Roaring Moon, you can take three prizes on that. I mean, just, just like, thinking it through, there's a lot of situations in, in the games where your opponent either has to do that, and you knock out a Roaring Moon, and you knock out one of their uh, Luminians or Squawks, against that deck and that's just your six prizes i mean that's not unreasonable that's not out of line these these plays are you know costly they're going to be difficult to come by but you have all the pieces yeah yeah i'm a this is the closest i I mean i I legit played the deck at naic and this is the closest that i've gotten to actually wanting to buy lugia since since like rotation so yeah no since rotation so even before the event that i played that so (laughs) like it's i i just i really like the way it's positioned right now um, the last deck that I wanted to spend a, a large chunk, chunk of time on personally, um, will come as no surprise to you or to anyone that has ever listened to me talk about Pokemon, whether it be on this podcast or not, but, uh, Dave Control is back and I'm very back in a big way. Yeah. It's like, it's seeing a lot of play. It, it's like top 10 mo- most points so far. And I actually think that like, since like the, the, like that was just in the first week. I think the second week has actually seemed to do even better. Um, I played it a lot online, and it actually feels really good, which is not something I expected because this is not typically the way we like to play control. Uh, even though you've been like a block proponent for like since block came out, which was always stunning to me because, like I just said, that's not typically your your like block is not your kind of control. Now, like, the playing zero like, energies is my kind of thing. That is like that is like, obviously insane. So um yeah, so the, the gist of this deck, well, some of them do play one or two energy, which I know you do not necessarily agree with, but we'll get we'll get into that too. Um the gist of this deck is that it's block Snorlax and you most of the time have Rotom uh V in play because it draws you like draws through your deck. And then um, Mimikyu for certain matchups, uh, Pidgeot V, so you can never deck out. And then it's just a bunch of supporters, most of which are one-ofs. But then there's a few pennies, a few Erica's Invitations, four Arvins, and some number of Boss and Misfortune Sisters, plus, like, whatever control supporter you want to fit in there in a couple of copies. Um, It also, just, like, to piggyback, like, you mentioned the Pidgeot already, but it does still play, like, the Team Yell, Cheer, Silene, Cophead loop to, to not deck as well. Um, it's just really, like, it, it, it does what it wants so effectively, and yes, there's, like, a ton of Switch cards in this format, and that obviously hurts to an extent, but that extent is limited it by the fact... It doesn't hurt that much, though. No, and, like, it's limited to, but because um, you're able to actually, like, play three bosses, play four uh, counter, or, yeah, counter catchers, you're... you're um... And to be clear, that's the card that made yeah. this good. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I, like, I don't know, like, I, I was skeptical whenever I looked at it, just because I was like, is that really going to, like, matter that much? And, oh, man, does it. Um, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, so, I really like this, and I know I've been trapped by control every chance that I get, so obviously I'm a little bit biased here, but... Here's what I'm going to say. Um, and a lot of this actually has nothing to do with any gameplay. I have not played this deck yet. Um you know, I've I've messed around with ancient block variants, um, but not for a while at this point. 
it's very rare for this type of deck to see a real uptick in play rate. Uh-huh. Even when these decks are good, they don't ascend to, you know, top five, top 10 even metagame percentages a lot of the time. You know, there was a, p- a period, we talk about this deck all the time, where that Pidgey deck was probably the best deck. People didn't play it. No. Um, the only time that they really did play the like control deck was like the Turbo Mill Zation deck that was very good also. Yeah, yeah. I've, I never actually played with that one, but I, I definitely... Whew, that looked wild. Um, so for this deck to see both the results and the level of play that it's seeing right now, it has to be really good. It yeah. it can't just be like kind of good, because people also won't put themselves through playing this for an online tournament. Yeah. They're just not going to do it. It's miserable. The deck has to be extremely good right now, and... I have not thought that much about uh, playing decks into it, partially because, and this is the trap that you fall into every time, it's like, yeah, how many am I going to play against? Which is the reason that the deck remains successful. And we're, we're approaching the point where you really have to acknowledge this deck. Um, I actually think, just like from looking, and we haven't broken the data out or anything, but just looking at results from like the second week of the format, I think this might be the best deck. I... I think it's legitimately like even beyond data, just in terms of like where, like how often I'm seeing it. So like I'd like to crunch the numbers more, but it's really close. And if it's not like if it's not number one, it's like top three. Like I think this deck's an absolute menace, and it's because like you, like I said, the deck like in, even in the lost box, which should be an atrocious matchup because of all like the twelve, the like, ten switch cards, their attacks do nothing to you because Snorlax so thick, um, and you like you play like the bravery charms. And or luxurious cape. Yeah, you, sometimes a mixture of the two. There's there's yeah. options there, um, and you have all of these ways to pick your guy up. So like, you can outlast them pretty easily. None of your Pokemon yeah. die in one shot. To even without like a caper charm to Cramorant or Sableye, so you're not you're not really down bad from that. Eventually, I shouldn't say this with this much confidence, but eventually you will most likely be able to get one of the things that doesn't do much into play between Echoing Horn, Erica's Invitation. Yes, maybe they lost so in all of them, but uh, this is also propped up a lot by what we were talking about, kind of as far as like the metagame, um, like warping forces, because mm-hmm. those cards that or those decks that have like, or uh, rather Lost Box in general, which is still the roughest matchup, is going to be kept down a little bit just by the prevalence of iron hands and the iron valiant problem so uh-huh. there's there's a lot working in favor of this deck and all of these decks that are trying to turbo play a ton of useless bench sitters yeah yeah well that's what i mean like it's just like like you're gonna find one yeah i mean like so like even in the ones like they can eventually attack with them they're doing such little damage that it doesn't actually matter but like i said between you play two switch cards you play three Three pennies, or if like the, like there's the, and we'll get into like the the mill option in a moment because I know that you hate those. So um, if you're playing the Chandelure, you're playing instead of you playing two pennies and a Professor Turo's Invitation scenario, whatever the supporters called. Mm-hmm. Um, so you 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 can just like wipe off so much damage, or like you don't mind losing prizes because like it doesn't matter. Like as long as you have won at the end of the game, you win the game. Um, so. You just like have like because between Sydney and Erica controlling the hand and Misfortune Sisters controlling the deck and Snorlax controlling what's in their active position because of seven gust cards before you even count in like recycling cards, like 
this deck just does its game plan so effectively. And, like, I don't love putting Roton B into play, obviously, because it is a, lo- a two-prize liability. Like, that also does not block. That's the actual issue, is that it doesn't block. Um, obviously, because Snorlax blocks. But, um... Like just being able to plow through your deck with that kind of consistency, you don't care if they actually kill it. So, um, and like I said, you, because you play so much Gust and the Arvin engine lets you search for Gust, that um, you're gonna get it. You're gonna be able to get into like what you're looking for a lot of the time. So, I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan, and like I'm obviously predisposed to that, but I haven't really bought into any of the block versions before. But I'm buying into this a lot. I, I think this is really good. Yeah, I, I think it's really good. I also think that something. This is probably more of a discussion for like the actual LAIC episode, but one of the big things here is that like good players are going to be better at playing around it. Also, they're going to, you know, even if it's just like a one of tech card that you might not be prepared for before the tournament, they're going to have something in their deck. Mm-hmm. And I'm less uh, concerned about like best of one versus best of three, which I know a lot of people have talked about, but I do think open deck lists online. So for anyone not super familiar, when you play online, you get to see your opponent's deck list to make sure you guys aren't cheating. That's the only way to really do it. Um, you know what you have to play around, and you won't know what you have to play around at a tournament, like a, uh-huh. a real paper tournament. And I do think that matters, right? That's all relevant. Um, but I think this deck's game plan is so kind of straightforward. You know what you're trying to execute. Unless there's like a wild, wild tech card, conceptually, you're always playing around the same thing. So uh-huh. I, I don't know that it matters that much. Um but it's another one of those things where I, I think people can prepare better for it than they have been. They're just not at this point. And uh yeah, it'll it'll get better. Yeah. No, I'm a I'm I'm a bit I'm a big fan. I, I think that we we've been saying this like for a while, but just like we're hitting like a critical mass of cards that are good in control. Like the fact that Sydney's still around is real neat. Misfortune Sisters is not like typically our kind of control card, but obviously good for what the deck wants to do. Peonia is one of the better control cards that's ever been printed without actually controlling things. Um, Erica, like we skipped, like we talked about it when 151 came out, but like Erica was, is such an amazing card for decks like this. And like finally getting to see it, like see some play is, is pretty exciting for me. Um, I'd overlooked how good Temple of Sinnoh was solely because of, like, jet energy being a thing. I was going to say, that was one of the things when I first saw the list that I kind of overlooked. I was like, oh, yeah, these temples seem fine, I guess. But, oh, yes, yes, of yeah, course, jet energy. I, I, I did too, but I was like, okay, well, let's test it. Because if they had every list mm-hmm. that wasn't in there before, there's probably a reason. And then the first time someone put a jet energy down and did nothing, I was like, oh, God, dummy. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the last thing about the deck is it's, it seems like almost every version plays something that mills cards beyond the Misfortune Sisters. Whether it be a Crabominable V or um, the Chandelure that I mentioned, that when the Chandelure, when it's evolved, um, discards the top three cards of your opponent's deck. I'm going to back you up a little bit. I don't think that everyone, I don't think it's almost everyone even. I mean, even if you just look at the top eight at the biggest late night, only one of them did. Oh, really? Okay. So, like, it, it, I know for like the first like three or four tournaments that it was seeing success and it was in almost every one of them. And I probably just stop checking for it so that's okay i'm glad you I mean, there were there were four copies of the deck in top 16 of that late night and half of them played a way to mill and half of them didn't okay like an well, extra yeah. Way to mill. yeah yeah yeah. so okay. i mean i i don't know I, i'm pushing back kind of for no reason because it's probably half of the lists and it's also you're, you're pushing back partially because you hate it and I, I know i'm pushing back because it. it's not necessary um i don't know i i i like it's obviously not a hundred percent necessary, but there are situations where, like, especially like in games where like you got a slow start, that like you need every one of those turns to win because like 
you're not like it's not because like you don't have energy removal in this deck other than like the special energy removal so being able to like power through to the end of that if they're holding things to the end is what's actually relevant to me that's the only time i really find it relevant where i found that they're like trying to sandbag it or it's like in the bottom of their deck or whatever and like um it might get there or like someone who's trying to be like the cool iono person it's like oh cool i'll just draw this game out and like yes you could just take the tie i understand that i don't want to or like if this does become a deck that sees like a decent amount of play rate it's used it's it's pretty needed in the mirror to actually get out of the game without a tie so like, that, like see i don't I, think i don't think you're getting out of the mirror without a tie either way that's fair maybe it's, maybe, it's like maybe the the dream scenario in um like in old guru control decks like mm-hmm. yeah you you could theoretically escape the tie but it gonna. required both players yeah. to play lightning fast and both be operating under the idea that they were playing to not tie yeah, and that's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I I do. I don't know. I just think that I mean it's just gonna be so slow for you to deck your opponent out and they like you're going to have to hit insanely well off these mills for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh separately I I will address that it is the best way to not get a tie in the mirror. And uh I think the Crabominable is a lot better than the Litwick if that's where we're going. That's where I'm at. I've been playing the Crabominable. Uh, I started with the Litwick and like the Crabominable actually makes even more sense to me. and again, you never actually need to attack. But, like, actually enable it because, like, oftentimes if they're playing the water energy, they're also playing the luminous energy, which with both of those, and you don't have your stadium out, you're able to um, attack with uh, Mimikyu. Again, comes up very infrequently, but I don't, like, for decks that actually play the one prize or that could be enough of a problem for you, that, yeah, like, yeah. Block, the block doesn't solve, um, which I think is typically for... I don't know. I I I know it, it came up in ride on last format, and it doesn't as much now. But like, there's there's situations where actually being able to attack with mimic you could get you out of uh, out of a game. Again, it's not necessary, but those last couple deck spots right now are kind of up in the air. So unless it's either that or like bumping up cards, card counts on like a third pal pad or something like that. Like I could see unless there's like yeah, some other yeah. really good like tool that we get like tool in terms of like tech card that we could try. Um, I understand. I understand the logic behind trying this. I mean, my my thought on this is if we're if we're trying to accomplish decking our opponent out a little bit faster, I, I know like some of the really early lists played a bunch of lore modules, which is uh-huh. just what I would rather be doing. That's a card that helps you set up, and we can uh, we can sandbag them to force the like deck our opponent, like force them through more cards than they thought they were going to be forced through at the end of the game, right? That's totally um, fair, and it was something I was overlooking because, like, I saw I've seen that some recently, and that's that does seem very good. So I do absolutely understand that. It's just kind of my thoughts. If I was playing, like, because that one's not going to help you in the mirror. So if you are concerned about the mirror, I think it's play the curvometer and play a water energy. Uh-huh. I'm not that interested in playing any of the other energies or anything else to set up at this point. Um, I think like it's just such a a rare need. Uh-huh. Um, and I would almost be more tempted to do like a, a thing Sander has done a bunch of times in the past and play like a couple hammers in my deck instead of some of the stuff. Cause like you said, like, oh, they'll try to sit, you know, hold back until they can do enough to, to play. It's like, well, if we, if we're able to throw them off their tempo on that just a little bit, that's enough a lot of the time too. Yeah. So sure. I, I just think there's a lot of options, but uh, especially if you are going to start worrying about the mirror, Crabominable is the one card that I think, I just don't think they'll, lamp or chandelure engine does enough i think crabominable does do enough yeah and it's no, less I, cards the the chandelure engine makes no sense to me 
I agree. I, I tried to change the lore for a few games, and like I understood why it worked, but more often than not, I was just discarding it because I never actually wanted it in play. Especially because like, if you want it for the late game, it act, like in the late game, your field is basically just blocks. Like mm-hmm. you've got the Rotom V out of there, so they can't break the lock. Like you're not letting anything happen that could really screw you up. And like with the Abominable, yeah. you can play it on the last turn and, and switch card into it, and it doesn't matter. But like the Chandelure, you have to set up, and that sucks. Be curious to hear if, uh, and this might not surprise me if this was the case, that the Chandelure is a um, a consequence of events being on PTCG Live and you needing to beat your chess clock. It could be. Like that's that's definitely very possible. Because I because, think like, it does. That's it does that's the card that will low. speed up your wins the most, if that makes sense. Like Chrono is yeah. going to be better in the mirror, and it still does the like speed mill the last turnout thing. Um, which is why I actually, if, if we were doing this, just again, to mention the lore module, the, the list that did the best in this late night played the Crabominable, the water energy in one lore module. And I do like that as a way to just, uh, force through a good burst of cards on the very last turn of the game. Yeah. Well, um, I inevitably play this deck more today. I will, I will be putting the lore module in cause I want to try it. I, I don't think that like two, like this list also played two Rotom. I don't think that's necessary. Like without looking at like what my counts are. I don't think that's on. necessary, but I do think you really want to get that turn one. So I know there's, you there's do. like some amount of risk uh, tolerance that goes into that choice. I know the way I build decks, I would probably just be playing one also though. And like they, they're playing four, they're, they're only playing three nest ball, which I like four nest ball. But like, like that that trade off right there is is essentially the same mm-hmm. thing. So I get it. Like, yeah, it's the same thing. You're just basically arguing about whether you would rather have options of nest ball or prize risk. Yep, 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 yep. So, um, that about does it on control. Is there any other decks you wanted to talk about like this week before? I want like... to touch on one thing. I mean, sure. I we've talked a little bit about lost box decks. I guess just a, a quick one on this, and then I so maybe a few things actually. But you're you're at the point where you think Sable's Art is probably the best version of Lost Box, right? In the in currently what the meta looks like it's shaping up as yes I do think that, that absolutely has room to transition to something else but I think right so now, yeah we both liked a lot week one and we didn't play it last night or two nights ago whenever that was now we both really liked Roaring Moon Lost Box um, are you kind of off of that one just because Turbo Roaring Moon seems so good and again if the cool thing about playing Lost Roaring Moon was that you can uh, Moonlight Shuriken well we can do that in Turbo Moon too and it actually is pretty consistent are we just off Lost Moon kind of where i am the upside is just that you get to play back the peak yeah like 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 we've said about a number of things like why would i play this one it's probably a worse version of uh, uh, like I, I yeah do think this is a bad is, version of x yeah that's that's how i feel um again i don't know if that's necessarily yeah correct, but that's that's how i feel no i'm a big sables art fan because I, I think most people aren't but you can still do the path to the peak thing that makes me like uh roaring moon lost zone and is also the best part of lost tina um mm-hmm. And you can do that in Sablezard, and you also can respond the most effectively to Iron Hands compared to any of the other versions. Or even just, like, Iron Valley and take some early prizes and say, okay, well, my Charizards are attacking every turn for the rest of the game now. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's the best position Lost Zone deck right now. I always love that deck, so it makes me happy, and I'm definitely going to play with that some more. The other deck I want to talk about is just regular Charizard. Um Mostly because there's two versions, and I'm seeing both have a decent bit of success. Have you played against much Charizard online? We played it a little bit in person the other day, but unfortunately, uh, there was an Iron Valiant deck at the table, so this was not going well for Charizard. Yes, the only time that I've actually played against it much is when I've been playing Iron Valiant online, so it's like not very indicative. I also like I played against it some with Block, which again 
not very helpful for for what we're looking for here. So no, yeah, that's that deck plays like the most useless cards of of anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks for the draw. You play one escape rope, maybe. See you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some lists play uh, capture energies or uh, jet energies rather, but nice, nice temple. <laughs> that that was the that was the deck that I learned about templing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yep. it was that matchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm just a little bit stuck with this deck. Okay, so here's here's what I wanted to talk about, I guess, because countercatcher, as we've covered, is a very good card. And all of these decks, right, like that we're talking about, are kind of outside of block or decks that are kind of designed to to come back well. But we're trying. So many of these decks are trying to get ahead early. And Charizard is kind of in a unique spot where it can be like a quad Iono deck is going to fall behind very very early normally. So it can also play a bunch of countercatchers. And something that I think is extremely powerful right now is being able to go like Iono countercatcher and if your deck is sick enough path um and i think charizard can do all of these things uh even if it's just like playing a one of path but you know i my list has four ionos in it right now two counter catchers um and i I guess i'm kind of wondering do you think there's a way i think this deck is like i still hate playing this deck so it's it's funny that i like talking about it a little bit honestly because playing it is just misery but do you think this deck has like the legs to stand right now, despite having the awkward time with the um, Iron Valiant problem, despite the fact that Charizards get eaten by frenzied gouging? Do you think having the upside of being able to, as the game goes on, your Charizard does become a strong enough attacker to one-shot Roaring Moons, you get to play Countercatcher, you get to play the Hand Disruption, the TM variants uh, are less path, uh, less screwed by path. I can't think yeah. of the word I'm, I'm looking for. So I don't know how many paths you pay yourself, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, you're less scared of that being played against you. You could play it yourself if we think later in the game, like we're really looking for this like path Iono counter catcher kind of turn. Um, Do you think this deck has what it takes? I think this is my favorite evolving deck right now. I'm Uh, not calling it an evolving deck, but. And then do you think think the TM version or do you think uh, Kiji is still going to be the way to go? So I think right now it's actually pretty mixed. In terms, like, like last I looked, it was like close to fifty-fifty. So in terms of results, I think it is, uh, and that's that is, I think, from my perspective, a um, TCG thing. I think uh, looking at like the Japanese results, we saw it was mostly TM. Yeah. Um, to your first question, yes, I do think that this deck is viable more so than I did last format, just because. Yeah, me too. Well, honestly, it's because things like. Like Chain Power seeing a little less play, and I thought the Chain Power farmed that deck. And I think that like Gardevoir to an extent farmed that deck. So if those two decks are seeing a little less play, then I, I think that, that bodes well because I think that it can like trade semi favorably into these other decks. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if saying that we're kind of talking about a deck that we hate talking about, but I mean Gardevoir, if it's good into this and Roaring Moon, suddenly we're talking about a deck that could be really well positioned also. Yep. Yeah, I, I think Gardevoir is actually really good right now. So, yeah, yeah. like, the, like that's, that's like I wanted to see another week of data, but like, if you, I, I think Gardevoir might be, I, I don't want to say the player or anything like that, but like, I do think that it could be. No, like, I think Gardevoir is a well positioned deck, though. I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's multiple copies in Top Cut at LAIC. Mm. So, I, 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 because I do think it is that well positioned. So, like, that, that's kind of where I stand with that. But, um, yes, I do think Charizard's viable. I think I would probably right now prefer for the TM version, but the struggles that I've seen you have where you prize, like, it's obviously so, in like, like not likely that it will happen, but every time you prize, like, the energy search, or the fact you have to play energy search so you can get off the first turn attack. Yeah, it's, happens, it's just a I, very awkward deck. There's just yeah. so much 
so much clunk and it's not it's not inconsistent either which is the funny thing we're we're talking about like we're talking about like missing energy turn one in our deck that plays somewhere between you know eight to ten energies plus an energy switch it's like oh yeah this we needed an energy and we prized our energy search it's like okay yeah so obviously weird (laughs) obviously like or like we started a bit it got knocked out and i prized my second one so now i can never set up a bit roll I mean, I can't. I play like super odd, but you know. This calls back to what we just said about Lugia earlier. That uh, even though it's not less, than, like you're not missing nearly like you're missing probably the same amount you are in other decks. Man, every time you do it, just like for a deck that you already kind of hate, makes you hate it that much more. So like it, it's a it's a little bit confirmation biasy in that sense. So like I, I I try to ignore some of that, and that's why I say I think I would prefer this because. I think when the problem you... is that I obviously really want this to work out. I keep playing it despite hating it every time I yeah. play it. So it's it's like. I don't I don't feel like I have confirmation bias here because I want it to work out. <laughs> yeah, I think that every time it does, it like like every time I've watched you set up with it or like watch somebody set up with it, it's like, God, that feels so strong because you have a couple charges, you have the, the Bibarel and you're able to disrupt and still hit for a good bit of damage where not every other deck is able to do both of those things. And like that feels really strong. And like not like forcing the gouging or forcing one of these other attacks that are like like not what your opponent wants to do. I feel like more than a lot of decks, it makes your opponent play outside of their game plan more than they want to, and I like that about the deck. Mm-hmm. Would I ever be the one to play it? I don't think so. But I understand why somebody would want to sign up with it, because it does offer them that option. Yeah, I just think something that like is worth paying attention to in this format, we're talking about so many decks that have these strong, aggressive starts, and it's funny to go from talking about Block Snorlax back to that, but <laughs> is, yeah. is decks that can turn that around on you, um, yeah. which to an extent Gardevoir can, but uh, I think Charizard is one of the decks that's also really good at doing that. Just, you know, you have this giant guy, you get to play counter catchers, you get to play a bunch of Ionos, and you can chain together these big Charizards pretty reliably. Yeah. So I, I think that there's just like something there, but there is some concern that the, the metagame might be so fast that you're not setting up a lot of the time. Um, but if you draw like mediocre and they get a fast start, they're taking single prizes off your Charmanders and stuff. Like they're not killing you that fast. And Correct. It doesn't hurt you that much to have them set up like two roaring moons or whatever. Like you, you can deal with them. Yeah. So I don't know. I I like this deck. I think the results for it are are still quite good. But I'm uh, it's the deck that constantly feels to me like it needs a ton of work, despite there not being that much to work on in it. Yep. Yeah. Which is so close yet so, so far. Yeah. It really it, that describes that deck fully, which throws me off every time and. I don't know. Like, it's also not as cool as the other decks, which hurts. But like, that's not a good enough reason to not play. Team it. Evolution is pretty cool. It is. It, it, well, there's a reason why I like it more than I did last format. As much as like, I wanted to last format because like, it, it was what, like again, this is gonna be the second set in a row where I'm like, I invested in something and I hate playing it. Like, I don't hate playing Valiant yet, but I hate losing every game I play, which is odd. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, but I do think there is something there. Like, this is another one of those decks that I think that we're gonna rate pretty highly going into this because like. It, it, like it feels good like there's it just feels good i don't know and that, that, that that's a dumb way to say what i'm trying to say but like no i get it it accomplishes its goal sometimes yep. most of them <laughs> it also has the ability i mean we just talked about it to play some various different text options i i mm-hmm. love what team evolution has done as far as being able to like set up a toad scroll which can improve <laughs> your your champ pow matchup if yeah. you if you think pow is going to still see enough play that you care about this same like Goldango, we can just set these toads a toad scroll up with fairly little um, resources. Yeah, and that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. 
I don't know how you ever lose to those decks if you have this in play. Like now we're forcing them to use their cross switcher on and take a turn off to attack it so that they yeah. can continue setting up. That sucks. That's just terrible for them. Yeah, yeah. Throwing off their prize trade just like actually like like it doesn't matter. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I was skeptical of the Toad Scroll at first, but then when you I don't know that you need to play it or not either. It's just a really interesting thing that you can mm-hmm. do for I mean the cost is just deck slots. This isn't something that's like impacting your gameplay negatively to do or anything. The cost is deck slots. And that's why we said that like this is like the, the, if there's a deck that was able to play both Manaphy and Jirachi, if they really needed the protection, it's this because your bench doesn't really matter. So like you're able to. Which try sounds so like strange, that, so. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, but, I mean, we're uh, really looking to set up like two Charizards and a Bibarel, and the other spots are kind of whatever. Yeah, they're there for they're there for your adventure. So I think that like that 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 is actually like you said, DM Evolution is really cool. And that's part of why, because like you, you do have those extra options you may not have had if you're if you're willing to find the deck slots to like try them out. Then I think that like there's a lot of there, there's a lot of room there for, mm-hmm. for things to try. So yeah, anything else? Nope, that does it for right now. I, I don't think we really got anywhere, but we talked about a lot of decks and a lot of things that we think are cool. So what do you think the best deck is right now? If you had an event this weekend, uh, if I had an event this weekend, I think you'd be playing uh, the the energy switch turbo moon deck that you referenced. Um, it's like as much as I want because to play you block, think it's uh, because you think it's the best deck, or because you just want to play it. Uh, I think it, I think either that or block right now is what I think is the best deck, and I don't know that, that like if it's a thirty minute game based on the number of people I played online that just don't know how to play against block or do and just like time sack the game. I don't know that I would want to put myself through that. And it, like, like if I'm going to a local, it's one thing, right? Because there's not judges there to really enforce. If I'm in a regional where I can like actually enforce slow play warnings and things like that, mm-hmm. I think I'd probably play block. But at like a local level tournament where I'm not able to enforce the time rolls as, as significantly to make my opponent play at a reasonable pace, I think I would take Turbo Moon and just plow through some people. I think it's funny you just noted the the top reason that I probably wouldn't play block at a regional because I just cannot be bothered to call a judge repeatedly to ask my opponent to play faster. It's not that I can. It's just it's actually like more feasible there. I like I just no, no. I let it happen. But I agree with you. I I 100% get what you're saying, and I I kind of I have a very bad uh, habit with this where I I consider us getting through the match my responsibility, not both of our responsibility. If that makes sense, not not like outwardly, but I will do everything I can and then complain later and go, well, I play fast. To be fair, in uh, in like I actually think that you can reasonably play block in a thirty minute best of one because like if both play- players are playing on the up and up, but I know that I can finish one game in fifty minutes and I, I, like so like that's mm-hmm. that's the other thing right is that like in a world I don't where, like, I don't want to have any problem for the record in saying this that my bigger issue would be that I don't feel like calling judges constantly and I think you probably have to to succeed yeah. at a regional level with block. I would play it at a local because I, I know I can finish the game in 30 minutes. And I, I think that uh my opponent's pace probably doesn't matter if I'm only finishing one game anyway. That sounds like you haven't played it at locals in a while and you'll learn very quickly that that's probably not the case. It sounds like I will be t- coming back next time to tell you all about how good Krabal is. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that, that's what sucks. Right? Is like, even like, I start like I didn't think Lost Box struggled to fin- finish one game in thirty minutes, and like I was playing like we played Lost Box fast. And I feel like at locals I was struggling against some people because they're just sitting there like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thumbing, like, and I'm just like, oh my god, and like that deck attacks block, and, like and like I take actions, so like my turns take time, so like I'm actually able to force some of the pace of play there. A lot of my block turns are me just saying draw supporter pass, and then going okay, what do I, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, well. I'll, like, and, yeah no i know it's it was so frustrating i i uh had a really bad time 
several times with like various uh chip chip ice axe control decks in the same spot mm-hmm. where like your opponent would draw and you literally knew their entire the contents of their hand the top card of their deck all of it and they would draw and go so what can i do it's like you can't do anything you have no playable cards what are you thinking about I, that, that was what I, like i i played the like the pitchy control deck in the league challenge or league cup uh, uh like whatever it was a thing so like five years ago at this point um and like I was playing against a Lucario Melmetal deck, which is inherently a slow deck, and like intentionally. And they were getting mad at me, and they're like, "Why do you like this?" And it's like, "Wait a minute, you're the one causing the problem here, buddy." My turns are taking three seconds. Don't tell me that I'm yeah. the one. like, "Well, your deck is just so slow." I'm like, "Your deck does nothing." I my deck I can't slow. remember Shut what up. deck they were playing, but I played in a challenge with the Pidgey deck, and I don't remember what I played against. But my opponent was like, "Oh my god, this is going to take so long," and they were whining and whining. We were the first people done. Yeah. It was no. a best of three. It's not that hard to finish if both players are playing reasonable. I, was, I stand I, by that forever. I was so annoyed. I was like, listen, man, I don't I don't know who you're playing against, but like it's not my fault that other people are are willing to use the game clock to just win one oh with this deck. I'm a two oh you bro. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And we were done in like twenty five minutes. It's like chill. I promise. I, I'm going to play like lightning because I don't want to sit here for fifty minutes either. Yep. Yeah, no. But we can uh, as we have done many times, we'll certainly do many more times. We can go off on tangents about control. Oh, man. Control being good is actually the... This podcast could basically just turn into us complaining about people not letting you play control because they're too stupid to play against you. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, don't worry because, uh, like, like if the league challenge is coming, we can obviously... We can't play. I could play blocks when we like. But... You can just play block. Just play this exact list and uh, change the counter catchers for cross switchers and call it a day. I could do that. I don't know if I will. I kind of want to, though. I kind of want you to, too we'll see i ordered like i don't own erica so of course when i don't own erica's why would i not order the 40 dollar copies so i ordered those i don't know if they'll be here in time yeah if they are yeah. tough call if you have them can you just do it yeah i don't have three matching pennies because the site that i ordered from did not have like full art pennies so i don't like, think i'm gonna go to the i don't know if i'm gonna go to the we'll challenge see. or not we'll, we'll see because i'll we'll, give you mine if i do we'll recap next week on ancient wisdom thanks guys Thank you.